uh, you know, stop thinking, and you just as soon as you stop thinking, you just drop into the deathless. <laughs> it's more likely you stop thinking, you drop into the the dullness. <laughs> Uh, even stopping isn't quite uh, quite correct. Uh, there's a resting, a ceasing, yeah. mm. and we train with training. Yeah. So, what are you going to train? One thing we train is our thought faculty. There are different ways of training thought is in terms of, mostly we consider training our thought in terms of content, that is to learn lots of information. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah, really, but in general, the training is to lessen the amount of information, lessen that, even that, um, yeah kind of uh, emphasis on on content. The other aspect of of thought is the agility to uh, conceive, to bring to mind, mm, to steadily sustain attention, be reading it, because that's our reading and writing capacity. And you probably note if you how how certainly when we're about you know, what is it, five, four or five and you start learning to write, first your letters are all spidery and then they gradually get stronger as you learn to write. By about ten or eleven they're getting to be quite clear. And then it's downhill all the way after that. And they end up being, by the time you're 50, they're spidery again. Because <laughs> you're trying to generate in this kind of scrawl. <laughs> yeah. And similarly, the way we speak, when you start, when you sometimes you start to learn a language, first very faltering, and then it's very clear. And then as you get better at it, you get some more slurred, dropping the endings of words and slipping over things and throwing, wow, well, you sort of like, you know, you know, it sends into the garble, you know, and, uh, you know, so the, the, the articulation, you know, uh, kind of degenerates as the information increases. It doesn't matter the information is true or not, but the content increases in the forming of it, the formulation kind of can degenerate. Mm. Often in in traditional Buddhist practice, quite a lot of of emphasis is made just on saying the same things over and over again. You know, like the Buddha himself recommended that, that his disciples just learn and wrote learn certain passages he'd said, just wrote, learn it, get your thinking tackle behind this one and just speak it to yourself slowly over and over again. Both for the content, you get some sense of the meaning, what does meaning mean anyway? There's a kind of resonance, a a getting it, a feeling of being stirred, um, 
activated, inspired, or, um, calmed. Hmm. Yeah, that, that activation is uh, so there's the signal, the sign, which could be recollecting death. This doesn't take a lot. It's not a terribly complex notion. A degeneration, aging, death. So you just keep bearing, bringing that to mind, thinking it through, not for the content, but thinking it through clearly. And the mind sort of blurs, well, so what? That's not going to happen. Well, you know, or gets agitated until it, you get really get the resonance of that. And the sense of, oh, this, this experience, which seems so final and what I am and fixed and solid actually is just a, 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 so, a bubble in the life stream. And along with recollection of death, he says, recollects also the nature of a Buddha, of liberation, there is the deathless. So you don't put the two together. And, you know, then there are things just to, these signs, these particular topics become like buttons, signs that you push and then you get this activation the activation is called sankara there's a heart activation of inspiration or restraint or you know whatever that does certainly recollecting mortality does kind of if you do it skillfully does you know what's the point of getting lost in all this stuff you know uh, what's really worthwhile what's valuable in my life what's really important when I bear that in mind so that I feel my life is moving without regret and is bright generosity, gratitude, honesty these are really important aren't they? the rest of it is just well you know that you do what you do the best you can so you feel that the heart, the mind it then is lifted and it's um Acknowledge that this, this this is the activation of the sankara, and through skillful cultivation, it's said the citta rises. It rises. It steadily climbs upwards. Citta, mind, awareness, um, it, it rises, and uh, obviously not kind of going up to the ceiling, but it it doesn't get stuck and bogged down, but uh, rises and gathers itself in the deathless, very interesting phrase. So it gathers itself in the deathless, establishes itself in deathlessness. Now this may not be something one can intellectually understand, but it's certainly got a nice sound to it <laughs> as a meaning. You know, What's a jitta, what's rising, what's the death, I don't know, but that sounds like good, you know, uh, better than, you know, stuck in the hopelessness. So there's that, and you realize that there's what we call inspiration, or you definitely get some feeling of, whoa, that sounds, yeah. Now that's the act, there's this, that's the activation, the heart is lifted. And perhaps for that moment, we get that lifting, and then you, okay, so this is possible, this is doable, this is something that it leads towards, and the Buddha says this is the main point of this path. Then we go, right, let's just cultivate, you know. So that that inspiration then gives one the energy to then, you know, focus and work through 
some of these uh, places where we get stuck. So just recognizing the heart can be moved. And it can be moved consciously, deliberately, clearly, skillfully with thought. It doesn't stay there for long, but you recognize you can you can lift it. Yeah. And that, that can be done. That's the point of Sankara. It's a an activation that can be effected. So Sankara is the is the activation or the energy that runs when we get a signal. And they can go up and down, round and round. You know, you get negative signals, then you get what's called chitta sankara or heart activations that move one down or into despair or overwhelm. So signals are sanya, or sometimes called perceptions, and they trigger particular sankara's activations. And training, you realize what are the important ones, uh, you know, since it's all so mutable, and it's all so possible, and nothing is really fixed, there's all sorts of potentials, what's the ones you want to put your attention on? What are the signs and signals to put your attention on? Yeah. Because it can go any way, you know, and it will activate and it will drive your heart down, it will drive your heart mad, it will send it into despair or it could lift it. So we have that sense of a kind of urgency or sangwega. Mm. Yeah. And this can be done not just through the content, but through the care, careful placing and listening. And this is the function of, of skillful thought. So thought, we might associate primarily with the particular words that, that pop up, but um, in, in, you know, in the Dharma you have a slightly wider and perhaps more penetrative understanding of thought. It's not just the, the language, it's the ability to form language. It's called Vajji Sankara, the activation of language. Yeah. It's like we have to speak clearly. Mm. So this is definitely considered an important skill to be able to articulate to oneself clearly. Take, take your time, think it through, Think with a steady mind. <coughs> think slowly. Think purposefully. Think simply. Mm. Give articulation to thoughts that touch the heart in a purposeful, useful way. Mm. So that is also in Sankara. It means we activate our thoughtfulness. And really, this doesn't purely mean you just kind of overload with, with words, but there's, there's two aspects to that thoughtful process. One is the, the picking up uh, of, a, of, a, of a thought, of an idea, such as kindness or goodwill or virtue. It's not that difficult to conceive it. And you pick it up and you hold it and you... You must touch your heart with it till it gets it. 
and you're listening in to the to the sense of that. So the picking up and the placing is called vitaka. So you can do it just in a moment, like a thumbtack. Boom, there it is. And the vichara is the process of taking in, recognizing you've got it, how it feels. So, so the thought is not just purely a voice, it's also an ear. It's not just the verbalization, it's the listening to the verbalization. That's what gives the articulation its clarity. We actually listen to what we're thinking. You know, in, in a interested way. Listen to the resonances. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And that's what gives it its particular quality of steadiness and focus. It's not fuzzy. This is something we can train in. Yeah. Now there are particular themes of recollection. I've just touched on a few. And it's, if you look in the um, descriptions on sati, mindfulness, you see there's a whole sp- outspread sheet of um, like recollections of different kinds of corpses and decomposition um, so you know for the recollection of mortality so you have these uh, recollections that help us to challenge the sense of being somehow wrapped up within this physical form we can contemplate physical form as a physical form, as a part of nature rather than as some kind of thing you can ever claim to have ownership of or make permanent or lasting other forms of recollection are recollection in terms of karma that is, as I was saying the other night the uh, potency of making of any kind of deliberate intention potency for good or for bad and the primary form of karma that to that's the most significant one is the karma of the mind the rest of it just follows on so it's where we direct our inclinations our inclination what what do we light up around hmm? so as you notice in the kind of sea of the mind there can be various images and notions swimming around and one of those at any given moment will suddenly come into focus and you'll you oh and you'll pick it up or pick it up and take it along you know you remember something and all oh, now that decisive engagement when we pick up a thought or an idea or an impulse and we run with it, pick up the ball and run with it, that is the moment of karma. You, know, you pick something up. A lot of the time things are just kind of bubbling in potential. They're not really something you're following, they're just kind of <coughs> static or, or white noise, just stuff like a conversation going on around you, not really... Um, you know, engaged in, 
is just there. This is called vipaka. It's just the the residues of of where we're living. Mm. Just like being in a room with lots of people talking. Mm. And then suddenly, oh, what's he saying? I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> There's karma. <laughs> it's not bad. You could be, you know, but you can notice there's a certain heart picks up with that, we activate, we get involved, there's karma. And you can do this for, for. you can't really stop doing it, uh, but you can stop doing the bad ones, the ones that just take you into nihilistic or, you know, fruitless pursuits and begin to pick up the good ones, that which are based upon the intentions of goodwill or clarity, you know, of simplicity, of letting go, and so mm, good intentions. Really look at the precepts. They are very follow it, they're kind of outlining you know pathways for our intentionality to move along and begin to recollect that. Yeah, even so when you practice here in a day just spending time thinking through the significance of being someone who doesn't harm things yeah. so that nothing in the world need fear your presence so when you look at it thinking through clearly you see not just the negative what you don't do but you also get the sense of the effect being so that nothing need fear your presence nothing need mistrust you and the resonance of that these help to give the mind its um, foundation in the benefits of training you see a result you see, you can experience a result. You feel it's a bit more solid. You've got some ground. You have the ground of ethics. You have the ground of right intention. That's an important ground to be able to stand on in a world of all kinds of potentials that, you know, are reaching out, bustling in. So training in right thought, you know, And these are not original new ideas, they're often very old ideas, but uh, they're like uh, signs and signals that switch on beneficial currents that help to lift the heart. This is always, uh, so it's considered, you know, that's why we, we can do this, we can train in it. In fact, um, you know, we, we started with the Satipatthana Sutta, or looking at that, but this is really a few steps on from um, the way the Buddha presented his training. You know, it starts with uh, generosity, morality, renunciation, seeing the dangers if one's sense sense organs, one's sense fields are not moderated, 
where you really can get wrecked and dragged out. So that sense of being able to maintain awareness, vigilance, care, custodianship over this the energy that that operates through the sense fields, through the eye, sights and sounds, and how the mind uh, proliferates around that. Uh, so that you're beginning to get the sense of uh, uh, the results of that. And so this is always the kind of norm of training, is to develop that a lot with careful thought, recollection, um, on these these ongoing practices and they they don't they don't end you know they're not they're not like beginners they're they're constant mm. so and that what the result of them is is the, the the heart acquires a kind of strength because these constantly generating this kind of sankara this kind of activation Good karma means it, that that which makes the mind, the heart, the chitta firm, strong, um, not confused, not dissipated, not blown out, not you know falling apart. They, they strengthen it and firm it up. Someone tonight was asking for um, you know, sharing blessings with, say, a friend or associate, Dr. Nisha Jayasinghe, who's going through a difficult time with Alzheimer's. May she be free of all suffering. May her caring family be free of all suffering. Now, actually, you know, if you slow your mind down around that, Alzheimer's. Hmm? And we know what those sounds mean, or they can evoke in us. How does that resonate? And we feel the sense of being, uh, you know, uh, oh, sobered. Uh, because something in us can sympathize. In fact, we if you think slowly and carefully and articulate things, you can't help but sympathize because you know it's only when the thinking is is not cultivated when it's that's when the sympathy gets lost. I mean what happens is you the the thought faculty becomes so overloaded with concepts and ideas that there isn't the space to actually listen to what they mean. <laughs> you know, so we could just, we've read that very quickly. Okay, be free from suffering, you know, good luck, and that's it. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and sometimes people assume that you just, you know, the more, the more, more words you cram on, the better the meaning. Actually take the word, take it slowly and simply. And you, you think you sense it, and then your heart naturally. I don't know this person, you know. You say, "Well, so what? What's he do with me?" But 
it doesn't work like that. The thought faculty is carefully trained. You you get a sense of a resonance, and it's that you you note the nature of the mind is resonant and empathic when it's not overloaded. May she be from suffering. May the people who care for her be free from suffering. It's quite natural response also there's a sense of something lifts with goodwill doesn't it it's not just information we're looking at we're getting a meaning Hmm? could that same focus be turned towards yourself now, when you think about yourself, careful now. <laughs> I think Ajahn Smeda once said it's the one almost sure route to depression. <laughs> if you don't, so I don't think think about yourself personally. <laughs> Not all the stories and the details of your life are just here you are. Think of yourself like, like you're somebody else, like person, human being, born subject to aging, sickness, death, fearing pain, hmm? uh, enjoying pleasure, uh, experiencing a sense of aloneness, seeking friendship, hmm? seeking refuge. Uh, uh, you know, it's simple things that we can recognize about all human beings. So looking at yourself, regarding yourself subjectively, but not personally, you see what I mean? Like you're really getting to know this person as one member of the human race. How is she? and simplifying it so we don't go into all the details we just take a few salient details that are relevant for all of us struggles uh, tired Mm. these mind states Mm. there's concerns has griefs, has aspirations, has values, seeks the welfare of others. These are all true. So this is skillful thought rather than the compulsive thought which is Oh, you idiot! Well, you never really can get it together. Right? You can't meditate. They didn't really try very hard, after all. And you know, I mean, it's been going on for years, hasn't it? Let's face it. You're not really going to get anywhere. I mean, you tried so hard, you just can't do it. <laughs> this is when the thought, the articulation, is just careening, and it's so that's the sign of a of a, a sankara that's 
taken over by these compulsive currents, we call it ignorance. Ignorance doesn't mean it's stupid, it means it's uh, it's insensitive. It's just kind of a, a, a blind, automatic tape recording that gets switched on. It doesn't actually relate directly and intimately and sensitively to what's occurring. It's just a recorded announcements going on and on and on. Feeling the qualities of negativity or uh, disappointment and how we can just follow those tracks because they are perhaps the the easiest ones, the ones that lead down. If you notice, going down a slope is generally a lot easier than climbing up one. So we easily incline down. So this quality uh, of what's called deep attention or appropriate attention is what precedes the establishments of mindfulness. So mindfulness is rarely seen as, it's never seen alone. It's always accompanied by other factors. Because it really means to bear something in mind. So it's very important to get a sense of what it's useful to bear in mind before you place your mindfulness on it. And mindfulness is also supported by right view, understanding, right intention. A deep attention is a kind of an activity often associated with thinking, thinking something through, bearing something in mind, getting to the to the to the point, and getting to a useful point. Getting to a, a point that's worth settling on. So this is why we often use deliberate recollections that uh, take us to points that the mind can get firmed up and supported by. Our own welfare, the welfare of others. Karma. Liberation. Loving kindness. Mm. Compassion. So you touch those points and they give the mind, heart, mind something to to establish itself upon. This is the value of right thinking. So if you notice, just the, when you practice, when you, you sit and pretty soon the kind of the stirrings or thought, we're probably going all the time actually, you wake up with it going on, and it moves on. Let's try to, rather than get into the content, Feel the flow of it, the energy of it. It's running. That's that's the energy of it. Now, can you actually sort of just go to soft focus on what it's saying, uh, the terminology it uses, and then feel underneath it the energy of that? Is that racing, torrent, swirling? How is that energy? Can you sense the energy? of thought formation. Chattering, mumbling, 
jumping some some thoughts can jump like sparks sometimes they sort of eddy yeah and swirl around just feeling the energy of thought formation and once you can contact that touch into that you can begin to slow it down, steady it. Now this can be done by deliberate thinking. So again, it's not not so significant what you're thinking, but probably good to think something that is either neutral or benevolent, and think it through slowly, steadily, being careful to carefully form the thought, Listen to the thought, notice when the thought finishes, bring it back, do it again, slow it down. So using the content, the articulation of the content to steady and access the energy of thought, the thought stream. That's that's a practice. What we call like mantras, for example, or small phrases, lists. So then that particular energy is then something you've been able to handle. Now you can also apply that directly to um, physical, like your body. And so when you bring into mind thinking, you know, one knee, the other knee, simply just touching parts of the body and bringing the thought to mind. Is it that it? Are you pointing to the right thing? So you point your attention, how's my left knee right now? How do you know you have one? How does it feel? Soft, bony, sharp, hot, cool. So then deliberate thinking is the beginning of meditation in this way. Using the thought, steadying the thought energy, clarifying the thought energy and then directing it to to the body so the thought then is no longer dealing with abstractions or notions but with direct tangible physicality and you can do that just to get the, the, the mind to bond not just to its own notions and ideas and aspirations and joys and sorrows but also touching into direct bodily experiences this is the process that leads to collectedness because you begin to gather things together body mind body speech or body thought and heart bringing them together and you can 
cultivate like okay so the left knee the right knee left hip right hip left shoulder obvious things you can you can sense <coughs> how is the sensation there hands hands have a lot of sensation in them how is the right hand how is the left hand how would you describe the quality the sense the direct experience of your left hand and then the direct experience of your right hand and then what's the difference like sort of a slow puzzle thinking into your body turning the energy of of articulation towards the body so it's beginning to learn to rest on an object listen to it attend to it pick it up feel it and because the body is not just an idea yeah so it will stay there and you keep coming back to it so you can put all your energy into placing your thought your attentiveness right there right there right there right there and the placing vitaka has to be backed up with the, the sampling or the handling how is that tell me about it what does it feel like listen up to it it doesn't matter what it feels like in one way yeah the main point is to get that system going of articulating listening getting it articulating placing it listening getting it yeah do it again bring up the thought place it listen in get it yeah so the mind instead of just spinning off to the next thought begins to connect yeah and that's what stops it leaking out instead of the thoughts just leaking out into further proliferations it you begin to seal it if you see what i mean it's now connecting to the body you 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 keep it in that particular loop do this with external or fairly obvious physical objects and um you know in the satipatthana there's, there's this he knows when he's walking along he knows he's walking along is that such an incredibly difficult thing to do um probably is because generally we walk along we're thinking of where we've got to go to and what the color of the walls is and why is that person got their hair like that and Friday I've got to remember this and so many things and I can't really meditate anyway you know so (laughs) you see how it leaks out so even though the the content is actually very simple it's the process of just restraining and bringing it back onto that to that thing what is walking anyway what walks what's that experience about what happens when we walk we've been doing it for years do you know how it happens? Where does it begin? Study it. Where does it begin? Where does the your standing still? How does walking happen? 
there's, an, there's an intention, isn't there? Something goes, oh, time to walk. And there's like there's a there's there's a particular decisive moment. Karma, walk. You know, something switches on, and then something runs into the body. Yeah, and it's not your fingers, is it? Something happens generally around the back of the hip somewhere. Body starts to shift its weight and pulls the leg up, turns the hip, places it forward, foot comes down, touching the ground, feels that's now steady enough, stable enough to lift the other leg. So there's a whole process going on of action and listening in. Yeah. Listening in to make so it's happening more or less, you know, through the body, but now we're connecting the thinking mind to it. So you instead of the thinking mind spinning out, it's contained within the bodily movement. Walking meditation is great for that because uh you know you've got the mind likes to run on. Now it's got something to run with. Yeah. Something to run with, something to play with some in energetic movement that it can can contain itself within so this is the way you kind of begin to sort of put a rein on the runaway horse you say okay you can run but stay within this particular field which we'll call the body then further you can cultivate that around breathing in and out, which is, the Buddha said, this is of, of all the bodies you can experience. This body is the one that gives the greatest benefit. Now, it may be surprising to find out that you have more than one body, because one is quite a lot to be getting on with. Um, <laughs> but we have, uh, uh, we can say, for example, we have a body that we can see, visual body we have an impression body like what i imagine my body to feel like to be yeah you have the body that you um to do with the sen- the sensations you know like, you know the body feels sick or well and then you have the body which you can experience just that which we experience in breathing and it's uh, so just to recognize you put aside the visual body and you go to the direct experience of the breathing body which is a rather different experience than the visual one and it doesn't have arms and legs nails and hair it's just a process of uh, rhythm and suffusion and energies moving. Mm-hmm. Breathing in, breathing out. And get that. What is breathing? How do you know it? Pick it up. So again, you place your attention. How do you know you're breathing? Mm-hmm. So just look at re- really some almost fun basics and fundamentals and very often the process of clear thinking is to go right back to the most simple not the most complex the mind tends to run towards the more complicated go back to very simple assumptions like 
Are you sure you're breathing? What tells you that? Well, is that so there's a sensation that happens over and over again. Yeah. What are those sensations like? How how they feel? What's the difference between breathing in and breathing out? Buddha constantly emphasizes breathing in, breathing out. What's a long breath? What's a short one? How do, how's that measured and known? What is it that gets the breath going? Well, even when you're asleep. Mm. Now, what gets the breath going is called um, bodily activity, or kaya sankara. There's a, it's an, uh, like a, an energy, an intelligence, something that just gives signals to various muscles, I guess, in the body that begin to pull and contract and open. So you don't have to figure, let me see, first of all, I'm going to swell my belly, then I'm going to lift my diaphragm, then I'm going to, you know, draw in through the throat. It just, the body has this particular track, and it gives signals to various parts of the body to start to open up or operate, and it knows when it's had enough, it's okay, that's enough of that, let's do it, now let's let it go it changes so it's that and you can contemplate and you can note and label and name that experience and what it does is it begins to <clears throat> dispel um, the notion of solidity or permanence because this breathing process is dynamic it's a, not really a thing at all it's a it's a series of energies and activations that occur sensations and you begin to feel you tune into the energy of breathing in and out you feel as a of flow of vitality that occurs with that and you know often it's recognized once you begin to sense that quality of breathing in and out within the body and it doesn't necessarily happen at first but if you begin to cultivate clear thought, deep attention, learning how to vitaka vichara, something, get that, that system going, so you point to something and get it, point to something and get it, it could be a concept, it could be a thought of your ailing sister, or you know, your beloved son, or whatever, or yourself, and you point that there, you get it so that instead of the mind just dropping it and scrambling and going into analysis and production, it just stays there and resonates. And you bring that towards the body. And then you bring that successively from the outer body to the, well, you know, like bones and so forth, sensations to the inner body. The benefit of that being that uh, uh, unlike you know, your bones and so on, the inner body, the breath body, the breathing body, the body that we experience breathing, has a very immediate and involuntary and natural response to attention. You know, attention, 
we, is is an, is both the boundary we place on something, but also what wherever we give attention to, if you notice, energy goes towards it. Right, it becomes luminous, doesn't it? So any topic that that fastens itself in your mind is heightened. What you attend to, there's karma there. Yeah, what you give attention to becomes empowered. It could be negative. It could be obsession. It could be infatuation. It could be commitment. It could be something beautiful. Whatever you fully give attention to gets energy. Right? The, the, what the energy of the mind, right? The energy of the heart. Now, if you bring that energy onto your body energy, the two like start to light up because those two energetic systems are beginning to touch each other and there's a, a mind, oh, what's that? Something that also is dynamic, alive. Hmm? Because of this, the body energy can hold the mind energy and begin to steady it and balance it. You notice, say, if you bring your attention on to topics, I don't know, games, sports, whatever, they're exciting, your mind is excited. It's, it's, it's excited. You know, we get, and then, of course, we get to the end of that game, and, oh, that was great, and then, boom, next thing. If you take it on to a project that you're interested in, your mind is interested. This is really fascinating, get through, you know. Onto a worry, your mind takes on that quality. Your mind becomes energized in accordance with the nature of the theme that you're giving attention to. And with breathing in and out, you're touching into the life force, that which gives vitality to the body, that which refreshes and, and rejuvenates and cleans the body which feeds the body giving attention to that the mind touches into source of deep nourishment and it's something you don't have to pay for work at deserve be good enough for it just happens it's a very generous thing breathing bad people breathe (laughs) it keeps them alive no matter what but unfortunately, generally bad people don't bother to contemplate their breathing. <laughs> so this is kind of, you know, the breathing is beyond ethics, but often it takes an ethically attuned mind to be able to be willing and interested enough to, to, to listen to it. Yeah. And a carefully trained mind to listen to it and receive the benefits of it. But the benefits of it, though, with your attention, gives energy. To, to the body and the body gives energy to your mind and that has like a magnetic force to it it builds up a certain power that draws one's awareness in so what occurs this is the over yeah over time is the mind is drawn in absorbed into breathing this experience of samadhi and collectedness it's fed it's contented it's 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 uh 
not leaking, it's not invaded, it's uh, content in itself. Now this is a really lovely way to cultivate. But look at it in this, uh, you know, step at a time thing, because part of the um, benefit, in my mind, really incomparable benefit of the Buddha's teaching, it, it gives you very practical steps and step at a time. Yeah, you know, and you stay with that step until it is fulfilled. It's like you learn to walk and you get your foot really on the ground and settled before you lift the leg, the other leg. And you get that foot planted before you lift the other leg. So yeah, yeah. Now not right. You know that's that's an analogy. But when you are firm, it will be quite natural to want to keep walking because you're enjoying that experience. So often the the, the movement of process of meditation is as we find ourselves touching something, you know, like just touching physicality of the body time and time again, as the mind bonds to it, you start to feel a sense of, oh, this is quite, this is really okay. I don't have to struggle with this. The mind now isn't conjuring up fantasies, worries. This feels rather pleasant, and I'm starting to get enjoyment from that. That quality of enjoyment naturally moves the mind on. Oh, let's take it a bit further. So one moves, one's process moves in accordance with one's ability to integrate enjoyment. Uh, enjoyment means, you know, yeah, we're working towards something and then we get to the place where it's beginning to happen, it's beginning to bond, beginning to settle. Then it's natural to experience enjoyment. And you have to enjoy before you move on. You can't say, oh, got that one off the list next. It's not like we're running up a step ladder. You know, I touched into that, and now the next thing. You stay with it. You stay with it. You stay with it. You know, if you're just getting to the end of an out-breath and you're getting so you can do that, you stay with that. You stay with the point where your mind is settling and beginning to experience a quality of, oh, yeah, this is okay. I can be with this. Hmm? Even if it's, you know, it goes off as soon as you've left that, but you've got that one place you can come back to and you get better at it. And as you get to that, and uh, so you begin to dispel doubt and irritation with yourself, that place of enjoyment begins to become a, a platform. Your mind's, oh, you, you can extend. And you extend in accordance with your the skill and the enjoyment. Not, you don't extend in terms of uh, desire or, or hunger. I've got to get there. You extend because, like once you've got on a bike and you've learned how to stay on that bike without falling off, you naturally want to go for a ride. <laughs> because it's getting good. But if you're still wobbling in the saddle, you're not thinking about how fast you can go. Where you, you just, you know, you first of all you've got to aim to really get in the saddle, yeah, you know, without falling off. 
once that happens it's natural there'll be a process of moving on yeah. so generally in terms of what I would encourage in meditation is you know being prepared to just stay at the place where you are getting some ground if that is standing walking just being in your body holding your body posture till that becomes really established so you don't have to struggle at it anymore then you stay with that and you take in the benefit of that and then quite naturally your mind will tend to deepen and move on you'll go you'll go in you'll go into the heart of the heart of the matter so often the you know it's those early places that once again take us but take us to the simplicity of the training you know step at a time carefully remember think what you're doing bring it into mind consider why you're doing it you know and just apply directed attention Mm 